This episode of Palmy Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that is happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food to, of course, sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk, the podcast. This week we discuss the latest goings on at the EFL and that vote to determine League One's remaining games. We also look ahead to a possible playoff against Oxford and try to predict Kenny Jagger's starting eleven for that potential double header. Meanwhile, Neil Allen chats about some of the ex-players he's been in contact with during lockdown and who else he's lined up to keep us all entertained over the weeks ahead. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. Um, I'm not quite sure about you guys, but boys at the end getting fed up with the CFL situation dragging on. I mean, it's just not statements, is there? It just it does seem like they're dragging it out for as long as possible. And I don't know. I know Neil said the story with Mark Catlin earlier this week. It does look like they are going to run out of time. It's going to take 56 days to to complete the season, given the contract scenarios, etc. It's just. I just don't know how long it takes. It why does it take so long for a vote to be carried out? I mean, I know clubs need to take talk to the boards, etc., about what they're going to do. But surely now, after how long, everyone's got a rough idea, or not even a rough idea. Everyone knows what they're going to vote for. Why can't it be a simple hands up? Who who wants to be? Who who wants the season curtailed, or who wants it go? Who wants to fulfil the fixtures, or why can't they go around something in alphabetical order? Say. Wimbledon, you know, Accrington and do, you know, a tally chart or something like that. But surely it doesn't have to be this complicated to send out ballot papers, etc. Surely you can just get it done. It's just, it's it's time being spent yeah. for no reason, in my opinion. League 2 decided in an afternoon, didn't they? Yeah. On a Zoom call. Yeah. That was that. it, that was it. But so if, if if it's going to take five days for clubs to vote on this here, which you're talking then start of June next week, you're then going to have another scenario then when you could have an you could conceivably believe see there's going to be an even longer period to decide then what happens with the the playoff positions then. That's not is that are they just going to then automatically decide there and then what's happening to them or again are clubs going to have to start lobbying each other to, the, to determine how they're going to determine promotion. Well, you've got to remember as well that when they count, they need to count these many votes, of course. Um, and they can't do anything until there's a Football League meeting on Wednesday. So <laughs> let's hope they count them in time for Wednesday. If they miss that, they go wait another week, then, haven't they? Um, yeah. You're right. The, the, the playoffs isn't, the format has not been confirmed yet. Um, nobody knows what it is going to be yet. But that will be the next thing to um, investigate once they know the outcome of this vote. So yeah. it's just more delaying tactics, isn't it? It's ridiculous, really. I think we can safely say the season is not going to be run to completion as Pompey, Peterborough, Sunderland have all wished for. We all know that's going to be the case. It's not going to be played. Mm. So why not just get the vote done for that there and announce that there, like League Two, Neil, as you say, have already done? Exactly. And of course, Mark Catlin said the other day, the closer it gets to... In, into June, you've got the issues of the contract, which has been a, a massive issue from the very start. 
where players out of contract on June the 30th, um, what happens to them? Uh, they're, they're looking to extend those into the, the end of July. But again, if the season continues longer than that, it's going to cause uproar. It's a real mess. Yeah. Just get it over you in your sense, really, isn't it? You can sense well that there's, they're waiting maybe on the Premier League, see what outcome they reach, and then take their lead from them. Yeah, you can, but I mean, the Premier League, the Bundesliga has shown they can do it, the La Liga has shown that they're getting back to it, Serie A as well. I mean, Premier League are going to get back to it at some stage this season, aren't they? And I mean, you know, if, if the Premier League are going to be playing games as well, there's talk about neutral venues, etc. That's not going to happen in, in League One either, is it? It's, it can't be exactly what the Premier League do, but if they need the Premier League to get back, then uh, you can understand that, that there is a bit of a chain, a chain reaction, because the National League are also waiting about the EFL, about what they're going to do, Barrow especially, whether they're going to go up. So I, I, I just think that clubs need it. For me, there's an, there almost seems like there hasn't been enough discussions between different leagues, between the Premier, the FL and even the National League. It sounds like, as you say, yeah. you're waiting for, for one for one league to make a decision and then you have a bit of a chain reaction. It's just, it's not proactive at all, really, is it, for the leagues to do that? It's just, and it's just causing delays, ultimately. I suppose the, the difference of the Football League and the, and the Premier League, the Premier League just have one league to look after. Mm. The Football League is effectively three. So the Football League, what they've tried to do, which you can see is a good point, they've tried to let each league individually decide how it's going to be run. And they put the vote to them, which is good in a way. But obviously the leagues are then saying, we need a bit of leadership here. Otherwise, we're going to be bickering and arguing for ages. Mm-hmm. So that's another cause of today. But it, it, it is good in a way that they've actually said to the leagues, you decide. We're not going to force this upon you. We're not going to force you into it. You come up with it. We'll give you a bit of guidelines, a bit of guidance. But it's just delayed it further. And again... We're coming up to June now, and they're still not training as fully groups. That needs to be the said too. They need the the vote then on 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 the on players training in groups. They also need to carry out tests, um, coronavirus tests, as the championship have they've got the results through today, and two Fulham players have tested positive. But mm. League One clubs, I know it's not likely that it is going to go ahead. But if the playoffs are going to go ahead, surely those clubs that could be involved in those matches should be at least getting groups together, should be at least testing players um, more frequently than they have done. Don't think Pompey have, have tested anybody since back in March. But surely no, those, no. Are the type of, those are the types of steps that need to be at least being introduced so that if there is going to be a 14 playoff, then at least they're on the road to, to at least kick off those playoffs when by the end of June, so. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously no point in testing players at the moment in League One because they don't know what's happening. So, yeah. for example, there's no point letting Accrington splash out on testing kits if the season's going to be called off a few days later, is it? So, if you're focusing on the uh, playoffs people, yes, they need to start looking into, into that, don't they? Uh, yeah. but it's, it's just it's just cost, isn't it? And they, have to time, they have to time it right because uh, Wickham, mm. for example, uh, who don't want to play but are in the playoffs, um, they will have to now fund the, 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 t- the kits, won't they? Um, but everything just hinges on this vote. It all comes back to when they're going to sort this vote out, when the, the, it's going to be declared the, the, the outcome. And then you can look at make-up of the playoffs, one leg or two leg, neutral venues or whatever. Uh, and how long is it going to take? Talking about the playoffs, well, uh, well, 
if, if the points per game system, as we expect, is carried out, um, mm. Pompey would face Oxford. Um, is that a good one? Um, I think out of the teams who will be in the playoffs, Oxford's not the one you'd you'd like to be facing, especially <laughs> over uh, sure it's not, <laughs> especially over two legs. I mean, the thing with me is Pompey are well organised and grand results out, but I just worry they might take a little bit bit of a while to get going. Whereas Oxford, they play nice football, expansive football. You could see them starting with a bang, really, and really taking it to Pompey over two legs and. You know, if they if they came away with a way to face like with a with a decent cushion, then it's a big task uphill, then isn't it? To, God, to you're very pessimistic. Why are you being so pessimistic? On the upper hand, Pompey aren't going to on the upper hand. On the upper hand, Kenny Jackett's he's quite confident. All his players are focused, and he's been impressed by how they've been by the by the training over over the absence. You know, eleven weeks. It must be hard to keep your focus during. For that long, like I mean, going out training every day and keeping your fitness levels up. But to be fair to Jacket, he, he just when you when you speak to him, there seems a real honesty in his voice that he's happy where the squad is and where the fitness levels are. And if they're going to come back like that, then that is half a battle in this scenario, isn't it? Coming back on a you know potentially fitter than your rivals because it could come down to that. It could come down to those small margins, and when you get down to 75, 80 minutes. Who's got that little bit more left in the tank? And if if, if that's the case, then if Pompey are always fit as, as Jack hopes they are and as folks that they are, then touch wood, that would pay dividends. Neil, is, a, is Oxford a good a good potential opponent for Pompey? Um, Fleetwood, <laughs> Fleetwood, well, Fleetwood are always tight games as well, aren't they? But mm. Wickham are the ones you want, obviously, because um, <laughs> from where they from, from where they were early in the season to you know where they were when they when they break, they've, they've been on the decline. I think you don't think you can argue with that. So that would be the side you would want, and obviously Wickham fans would disagree with that. But hey, you were at the top of the league at one stage and then slumped down to eighth or whatever, didn't they? So um, they'll be the ones you want at this moment in time. But uh, yeah, Oxford were on a, a good run, weren't they? But Oxford have had bad runs where they've called for the manager's head at, at times as well, as have Pompey, actually. Mm. So, I don't know. Pompey have never won a playoff game, have they? <laughs> so, uh, we didn't see a goal, did they, last season? So, you just don't know, do you? Um, it, it's, it's just stating the obvious, isn't it? It's just about how sides come out of this 10-11 week period, isn't it, really? Fitness um, and intensity and focus. And we don't know that. We can't predict that until we see them in action. No. Uh, yeah. Obviously, all side, nearly all sides' injuries would have cleared by now. So there's going to be no injury things coming up as well. It's all going to be about who, who comes out of this focus and, uh, and, and fit enough. And it's going to be a strange old, old world, isn't it? It's, it's difficult to predict because you just don't know. It's down to mentality and physicality. Yeah. And well, well, you spoke to Kenny Jagger last week. And obviously, you reminded him of Pompey's feelings in front of the goal against Sunderland last season in the playoffs. But he's he's pretty adamant that you know what they'll be more clinical this time around. Yeah, last it was it was two toothless performances, weren't it? Last last time in the playoffs up at Sunderland. I mean, I think the best chance they had was Gareth Evans when he hit the bar from a free kick when he got brought down for a red card, and he didn't break them down after that. Pompey, I think, and then it was. 
I think Sunderland didn't do an awful lot of it. It was just Chris Maguire's volley, which was a superb finish. And then the second leg, again, Pompey probably had three or four chances. Evans missed a decent header. Hawkins missed a header. James Vaughan as well. Apart from that, you're struggling, really. And if you're going to be in the playoffs, quite simply, you have got to keep your composure in front of goal. And that could be the difference again, as we've seen in the, these Fleetwood games. We know 2-1 win up there in the FA Cup, 1-0 defeat up there in the league. And then a 2-2 draw the last game before the, the shutdown of football. Uh, uh, Oxford's 1-1 at asked Fratton Park early in the season, although Pompey did did play well that day. It was one of the best performances in the first half of the season when they took a while to get going. And then Wickham won nil uh, away there where it was the chance of we want Jacket out. Um, not a great game. And then but Pompey were comfortable when they beat them on Boxing Day. So it, it, is a, it is a lottery, but they've just got to work out what they did wrong Last season, one one good thing is you'd think players like Rowan Case and Jamal Lowe were absolutely running on empty when it came to them playoffs, weren't they? I mean, I don't think Lowe or Case started the second leg. Case didn't even get on in the second leg, did he? Yeah. Against Sunderland, so you'd like to think that the likes of Curtis, Ellis Harris, who maybe have played a lot of games, might be a bit jaded, have topped up their energy levels again and, and can hit the ground running like, like they did at the start of the season. Um, is there anybody, Neil, that you suspect could be an unsung hero, if there is one? Can we expect that Bryn Morris to maybe all of a sudden rewrite his Pompey career and become a cult hero of Pompey by bringing them to the championship? Well, we don't know how many games we're going to see, do we, really? Um, perhaps it's a good time for Cameron McGeehan to, to come to the fore because um, he'll definitely be a starter for Pompey. We mm. know he's got... We know he's a very talented player, especially at this level. Uh, the last time he was at this level regularly, he was in a team of the year, wasn't he? And mm-hmm. won promotion with um, with Barnsley. And he's been a bit disappointed for me. He's not been poor. He's just been a bit average. Uh, however, um, perhaps he might come to the fore now. And, and also, I think we ought to mention about his, the excellent work he's putting in in the community at the moment with the Pompey Hive as well. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, by all accounts, he, he regularly volunteers for everything that's put forward by Christian Burgess on the players' group. Uh, and he just wants to get involved in the community and keep himself busy. I think for a lone player, that is an outstanding attitude because mm-hmm. he might not even be here in a few months' time uh, back at Barnsley. But what a stunning attitude that is. And uh, clearly he's got uh, the, cl- the, the community at heart. He's interested in, in helping the club as well. And hopefully we can see the real him when it does restart, because there's so much more to come from him. We've been waiting, haven't we? But it's, it's just not quite stepped up yet. But it's there, isn't it? We know it's there, and uh, perhaps he can come through. Well, Kenny spoke to you about players being given fresh starts, including Paul Downing. Bryn Morris, obviously, is in there as well. Do you, do, do you anticipate any of those types of players, even Jack, who's been out of... Out of um, First team for quite a while too, not being able to get games, obviously with his injury, etc. Do you expect any of those players to play a focal part in these coming games when they do eventually take part? Uh, quite honestly, I'd have to say, no, I don't really, if I'm, if I'm honest. I mean, Jack's a fo- Jack, Jack, Jack will be back. I mean, he's a top player, isn't he? I mean, when, when I was looking at the stats the other day, defensive stats, he was, he was for last season comparing it to 
the defenders this season. Obviously, he's been out injured most of the season, but you know, his stats were surpassed or in almost every category, surpassed Bear just ragged down. And I mean, he, he is a top class D1 defender when he's fit, isn't he? He just had a tough day at Peterborough getting run ragged by probably. Well, the best player in the league, and Ivan Tony, um, who's who's destined to to move to the championship. Talk even Premier League might be the next uh, the next level for him because he, you know, he is by far too good for this level. But with with Jack, I just think that that might be in Kenny's mind because let's not forget that after the game, Kenny left him out of the squad and put Paul down on the bench because he just thought that he needs to give to give what more a break. Um, Terms are down, and it's another one who Jacket says he, he's been fit, but, but there'd be no reason to, to drop Burgess or Raggett, to be honest with you. He forms a decent partnership, he, he has a good understanding. Second half of the season, um, helped shore up the defence that, that was leaky at times during the first half of the campaign. Uh, you know, they had, they had a decent understanding together and started showing the threat from set pieces as well, chipping in with a few goals, uh, Raggett scoring against Fleetwood in that, in that final game, and then you move on to Morris. It's 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 going to be tough for him to. I think he needs a proper pre-season. I know this is like a mini pre-season, but I think Brim Morris needs a proper pre-season where you're playing a friendly a week or something like that, where you can make those mistakes where you can get your your bearings back and get back into the just get back into knowing what you're doing best. Rather than if you throw into a competitive game, then there might be the temptation to take the easy route and so you're not sort of the boo boy and you're not taking the flack. Uh, so I, I can't see any of those lads really thrusting themselves into the mix if, if football does, when football, when the season does start again, whether it's playoff or the fixtures are fulfilled, likely the playoffs. You're looking at the lads who, who Jack had played most of this season who, who have helped into success. So I think that will be the group who, who he does use and goes to because they're the players he knows and he trusts ultimately. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's face it, this is not a time for experimentation. It's not time no. to throw Paul Downing in. It's not time to give Haji Minoga a chance. It's not time to, to put Brandon Horstrup at right back. He's got to pick his best side here. This is most likely to look like the playoffs. This, this could be a, a championship place at stake. It's not time to give the kids a go, weave out the kids. None of that nonsense. Put your best team in. They're all fit. They're obviously, they're not matched fit, but they're all fit. Put your best team in. We could probably pick the best team between us now, couldn't we? So just put them in there. Don't don't worry about rotation. Don't worry about giving people minutes to bring them to speed. It's all about the playoffs and getting out of this league. So let's cut out nonsense about kids a chance, squad players having a chance. No way. Let's get out of this league. Do you yeah. think? Do you think Neil Jackett still knows his very best eleven? Because if everyone's fit, say you've got a, a, a bit of a dilemma between who you put right back, Bolton or McCrory, who you put up front, yeah. Harrison or Marquez. There are still little, do you put Close in or do you put McGee in? Do you put Cannon in yeah, the 10? Yeah. There's still, the, the thing is, if, if this was... The bigger, the bigger, you're right, the biggest one for me is right back. Yeah. But that could be depending on the opposition, couldn't it? And, and mm. the venue uh, mm. with the right backs. Send the hearts, you know, obviously Raggett and Burgess. Yeah. Left back Seddon, then he, I'm sure he'll put McGee and Naylor's a holding two there, mm. and then you've got on the left Curtis, on the right Williams or Harness, but he, Williams does get the nod, doesn't he? Yeah. Who do you, what do you do about the number ten? Depends and again with your home away, doesn't it? If you're chasing Harrison up front all day for me, 
Um, I'm not quite sure where you put Marquis then in that, in that respect because I don't think he can play the number 10 whatsoever. And Harness is better in that system as a lone striker. So mm. where do you, where do you put, put Marquis? So does he put two up front then in that case? It's, there are choices there, aren't there? And if he doesn't play, does he put, does he put McGeehan as the number 10 then and put close as a centre midfielder? That's another one, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. You've got all your players and you think it's a good thing. And know Jacket never moans about having a... It's never a dilemma with him. If you've got all your players, it's it's a headache when... He says it's a headache when you haven't got players available. But heading into two playoff games, you really got to get your, your team absolutely spot on, haven't you? And you could argue last in the playoffs last season that he didn't quite, he didn't quite get it right. He sprung a surprise yeah. by bringing in James Vaughan, didn't he, for that second game and that gamble? Yeah, where's he come back from? Far, yeah. possibly. He, he, he sent him home, would not he? He sent him home yeah. to, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then called him back because there was an injury to Bogle. Um, it was just bizarre, wasn't it? And uh, I think he was probably best player in, in that second leg. Yeah, he was. He wasn't saying yeah. a lot, really, was he? Um, but yeah, it was completely random, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose there's one player who's certain to play in these games is going to be Christian Burgess but looking increasingly likely unless something changes that you know what we'll not be seeing them next season is that the reading from both of you guys? Yeah the club, the club are losing hope really um, it's, it's, it's very much repeats what happened last summer with, with Thompson isn't it Nathan Thompson who said the same thing he wants to see his options in the summer which is fair enough so uh, we'll see how that pans out um, but the difference this time around, of course, is the the post coronavirus scenario, isn't it? Where likelihood yeah. is wages will go down, contract offers will also go down. If you have contracts at the moment, it's very worrying, isn't it? So yeah. that could impact on it. But Pompey wants to keep Christian Burgess. He's not said no at all. He just wants to think about it. Uh, as Thompson did last year, he will continue to give his all. We all know what, what Christian's done in the community is phenomenal as well. So uh, he's involved in that during this, this process of coronavirus crisis. Um, we'll have to wait and see. There's no immediate response expected. What's your thoughts on it all? Well, I mean, he's hardly shown signs that, as Neil says, doing his community work. He's not exactly down tools, is he? Like, he's still giving it all <laughs> in the community. and showing that he's still a, a, very much a, a Pompey player and adopted son of the city, a bit like sort of Gareth Evans is. Um, with Bird, just all, as, as you know, Jordan sort of put in his, in, his, uh, in his story that he might have offers on the continent. Maybe Bird just thinks, what is he now, 28, approaching 29? This might be my last opportunity to go and play at a decent level abroad. No, We don't know what the level, we don't know what country it is, but... It might just be too good of an opportunity for him to think, you know what, I need to do this now. He's the sort of person who likes travelling, does knee goes on his adventures normally in the summer to South America, then Southeast Asia, etc. He, he's the sort of person who might just want a new experience in life and think, I love Portsmouth, I've had lucky time here, but I want something new now, I want something fresh, I want to go and experience different cultures, etc. Because he was like getting out in the community and experiencing what's around him. Maybe it's just a case of that, and if it is, then. At the end of the day, it's just human. Like people like traveling and like living in different places. You couldn't blame him if that was the case. If Pomp against the championship, might he reconsider? He's never has it. He's, I think he's played one championship game for Middlesbrough, hasn't he? So he might want to crack at that. But even still, 
the temptation to to move onto the constant might be might be too much, and you can't blame him. I mean, if he does leave in, the, in any scenario, I mean, he'll go with everyone's best wishes, won't he? He's had five superb seasons down here and played his best football this season. That's the the most gutting thing about it that he has really been a played a pivotal part this season and. You know, been someone that Pompey can really rely on. There've been highs and lows in his Portsmouth career, but he's definitely played his best football this season, and that's the that'll be the most disappointing thing about losing him. Well, the, the one thing we don't know, well, sorry, the one thing we don't know about the ins and outs is obviously Pompey have spoke to him about a contract. We don't know the length of the contract, do we? Mm. Um, now, if they've offered him one year, we don't know. If they've offered him a one-year deal. Perhaps he doesn't want a one-year deal at the age of 28. He wants longer. So perhaps mm-hmm. Pompey cannot fulfil what he wants in terms of contract length. Uh, and regards, regards to how much he's been offered the contract, again, we, we don't know that. Perhaps he wants more money. Perhaps that may change now they're at, when, when, through coronavirus. But it's not about players wanting to stay at clubs. It's about what's out there, how much they're offered, and also length of contract as well they've got to consider. So it's it's not a simple scenario, and I know uh, Nathan Thompson got some stick from last last year from supporters, um, but uh, he wants to move up to a division as well. So there's all these these scenarios going around in players' mind that sometimes we don't know in which in the end we find out. I th- I think there may be politics at play too here. Going back to the last general election, everybody was saying they were going to leave the country if Jeremy Corbyn got elected prime minister. I reckon Burgess now is thinking, God, Boris is Prime Minister. I'm now leaving the country. <laughs> <laughs> but Burgess well, is political, is he? <laughs> oh, he's very political. You just have to look at his Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's not that it's very rare to come across a Pompey player who's standing chat to us at the training ground talking uh, Brexit and politics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as as uh, Christian Burgess uh, liked to do. <laughs> Well, Neil, you have also used lockdown to catch up with a few ex-Pompey players. Um, it's true that you now, you're, you've become the Eamon Andrews of the Pompey world. <laughs> you're getting your big red book out for This Is Your Life chats. Everybody's just waiting by their phone what, to, see, that, to see if you're going to contact your them. Shows your age. It was later on, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Michael Aspel was later on. <laughs> yeah, I, knew you, I knew you would remember Eamon Andrews. But uh, yeah, you've been, you've been delving into your contacts books this past way. You've got some cracking interviews. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some of the ones on the way. I've, I've spoken to um, Hayden Fox, got Hayden, hold of Hayden Fox in America, sorry, America, Australia. Uh, John Curtis as well, I've got. I've got Marlon Pack in the can. I've got, uh, I'm speaking to Andy Pettersson this weekend as well. So uh, yeah, you just want to speak. It's just fascinating. And they're, they're guys that you don't normally speak to. Um, so it's not like you're going back to Linvoy every time, is it? And things like that. So it's, uh, it's interesting stories. Like Danny East the other week as well was interesting. Sean Derry. And, uh, and again, I mentioned this on the podcast last week. What, what shines through is their affection for Pompey. Uh, yeah. Even if they weren't here for too long, they, they genuinely loved being at the football club. Uh, Sean Derry couldn't speak highly enough of the place. And, um, and he played a lot of games at other clubs in his career as well and had a very good career, didn't he? And yeah, uh, yeah Sean Terry chuckling away, remembering stories about him, Courtney Pitt and Peter Crouch, you know, their antics around the place. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's what makes it probably special, isn't it, really? And uh, yeah. again, I, I spoke to Hayden Fox and 
part of that phenomenal campaign, wasn't he, when Pompey reached the Premier League. And uh, and then he got an injury the next season and that restricted him. And, uh, and but, but his best time of his career was at Pompey, without doubt, he said. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it grips people, doesn't it? It really does. And even John Curtis, who wasn't here that long, um, you could argue he was treated quite poorly by Harry Redknapp, who signed him and then never played him for a year. Uh, he, he was telling me he lived in Winchester and loved it on the south coast. He says, fantastic place to live. But then yeah. again, he, he comes from the Neaton, so perhaps that's the reason why. <laughs> Good old non Eaton. Um, you've, <laughs> you've also got Robbie Blake lined up, but not necessarily Robbie's personal time upon me, but reflecting obviously on Paul Cook, which is going to be such an intriguing rig as well then. Yeah, because obviously uh, Sunday was three years, three year anniversary of Paul Cook walking out on Pompey effectively, wasn't it, to join Wigan and, and Robbie was part of his coaching staff. So uh, uh, Robbie's got his own views on what happened, um, quite forthright views on, on, on what happened. Uh, he was one of only two Cook staff to stay. John Keeley was the other one and uh, Cook wasn't very happy when Robbie decided not to go with him to Wigan, but Robbie loved it on the South Coast so much he, he turned it down. But uh, it's a really good insight into that, that era um, of Pompey from one of his right-hand men. Man. Can you say that? Right-hand men. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, Robbie was there for the dressing room fight and, and all sorts. So there's, there's a few of those stories coming out as well. Something to look forward to. And, well, and well you've been speaking to Kyle Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Always uh, good to speak to Kyle Bennett. It's always... Uh... In jovial spirit, isn't he? So he's you know, set up a uh, clothing company that's doing its bit for the planet and uh, endangered species, which is just interesting to see footballers who sort of have that side to them. Obviously, we've seen it with, with every, a lot of them doing the community work over the, during lockdown and helping out, but just interesting to, to speak to someone who's, who's doing his bit as well for, for the greater good. So, yeah, it was good to speak to Carl a little bit about his, his time. I know we've spoken to him a, a few times since he's left, but bit about how he, uh, how he was one of the first signings and he was waiting for all the, these signings to arrive and it didn't look like it was happening. He was thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, eventually it obviously all pays off and let's think it was the best time of his career, like wasn't it, at, at Portsmouth and popular player who, who even when he has a couple of boo boys, he always shone through it and ultimately left with with a League Two title medal and, you know, etch himself into, into history of Fratton Park. Well, well if, you speak, if you speak to his teammates around that time, Benno, we, we love Benno, he's a great character. We saw the real him. And uh, he was the most popular player in the, in, the, in the dressing room at that time. Everyone loved Kyle Bennett that he played with during his time at Pompey and uh, uh, a true character, real, real, real character and uh, bubbly, lively, fantastic around the place. And well, just combining this podcast with a bit of editorial conferencing, um, how's the rest of those ex-Pompey players that I asked you to get in contact with? <laughs> <laughs> if you any keep, luck with any of them? If you keep, I have tried a few, and if you keep throwing, stop throwing so much other stuff at me, way, I might be able to chase uh, a few more down. But you, you, you need, you need. <laughs> not yet, no. Not, no Ben Aim, no. Yeah, Still, he... He got up and left. See, I, I, I uh, seen him on a park bench, and he got up. I sat next to him. He got up and left. <laughs> have, we got, have we got time for some? Have we got time for some Ben Iam stories left on this on this podcast? 
I'll go ahead. I'm just conscious that the bin men are coming near my house and I might make a racket, but yeah, feel free. <laughs> oh, we'll leave it for another day. Well, I've got lots of better stories, and we'll leave it for another day, don't worry. Uh, oh, you've left us on tenterhooks now. <laughs> right, well, before my bin men do make a racket and, and disrupt this podcast even further, I will say goodbye to you both, and I look forward to next week's edition of Pompey Talk. Thank you all for listening, and lads, get back to work. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website from just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Pompey and more.